Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast, the podcast that will teach you to take your Shopify store and turn it into an automated sales machine with the latest marketing, email, sales, and social media advice, strategies, and tips from experts without the fluff. Your host, Caroline Balinska, the founder of JustAskParker.com, the only small marketing task agency for Shopify owners. With over 10 years experience in marketing, manufacturing, design, and e-commerce, she shares her knowledge and interviews the experts to help you in your journey to success. Now, here's your host, Caroline Balinska. Hi everyone, welcome back. I'm Carolyn Blinska and I'm excited today to have Gemma Porter with me. She is a copywriter, but not just any copywriter. So this is really, really exciting for me. Gemma is a copywriter specializing in e-commerce. That's why I wanted to get her on the show today. She's particularly focused on the fashion sphere. So over the past six years, she has worked with brands such as Tommy Hilfiger, Zalando, Bowden, Louis Vuitton, and Mother Care. And that's all through a company called Quill Content, where she does a lot of work with them. But she also does freelancing work as well. And she's worked alongside startups in Berlin and Edinburgh as well. So I'm really excited to have her on the line. Gemma, welcome. Great to have you here. How are you today? I'm good, thanks, Caroline. How are you? Very good, thank you. So how about you tell everyone a little bit more about yourself and your history, and then we'll get into some questions. Okay, so I've been doing this for over six years now. I have a background in public relations. I studied that at university. When I graduated, I went straight into working for a digital marketing agency in the social media department. So that was my background. I spent about a year, two years working in social media before making the change over to copywriting. Um, I enjoyed the writing part of social media a lot more than the other bits, like photo editing, etc., and ad creation. So I started freelancing in around about 2011 and went full-time freelance in 2012, um, at which point I was working mainly privately with, within the travel sector before moving over to fashion um, when I started working with Quill Content. Fantastic. So been, Sorry, tell me, go. I was going to say, um, so I've written for lots of uh, big name fashion brands and small ones as well, mainly focusing on category descriptions, product descriptions, and buying guides, as well as blog posts, which all play a major role in the SEO strategy. So it's SEO, but it's also about getting people to purchase as well, because I think it's important from both aspects. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, A lot of it is sort of direct response. So really, the main thing is you're replacing the in-store experience. And that's the main thing you have to remember, I think. That's a really important point and um, a really great one. You and I spoke the other day when I found out about you and we got on a call together and we had a chat. And what I loved is that you mentioned that to me is that it's replacing the in-store experience. And I think that people understanding that sort of helps them put it into perspective, the importance of copywriting. So do you want to give us a little bit more about that? Can you explain that in a little bit more detail? Yes, definitely. So with the in-store experience, if you imagine that you're a customer um, on the high street walking into a store and something catches your eye, you'll go over to it and you'll look at it, you'll touch it, you'll feel it, you'll see how it looks and you'll get a really good idea of the product. So it's the same with a website. People will see a product they're interested in on your landing page and when they click on it, the copy should replace the experience of how it feels to touch. So you should always try and explain the way something feels. Perfume or something, you want to explain how it smells. You want to kind of give somebody an in-depth, evocative feeling of your product. Because 
I think one of the important things is with the fashion is you can easily say this is a stylish dress, but everything on your site should be technically should be stylish. So you have to think about what it is that makes this product unique. What is its unique selling point? And what is the one thing that's going to make this customer fall in love with the product? Yeah, that's so. fantastic. It, 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 that's a very good example of people using the word stylish, just using that over and over. And I guess when someone's looking at your website and if you've just got that as your first word on every single product, people sort of think, why would I keep reading it? Because it's just going to be the same as the last explanation. Exactly. And again, if you're selling clothing, presumably everything you're selling is going to be stylish or you wouldn't have it on your website. So I think it's, it's maybe important just to write it down first when you're first getting the copy out there just to kind of get it out of your brain. But I think you need to remember every word counts. And that might be as quite a redundant thing to say that something's fashionable or stylish. Yeah, that's, that's really good. And so how important do you think copywriting is to an e-commerce business? And is there any businesses that need to pay more attention, like any types of businesses that need to pay more attention to copywriting than others? I think copywriting is extremely important for an e-commerce business. Um, As I said before, it's really replacing the in-store experience. Um, You really want the customer to go from thinking, I'd like to have that to I must have that. I need that product in my life. And also, there's a lot of information that you can give through copywriting. For example, your about page, talking about your brand, building that loyalty with your customer base. Businesses that should pay more attention to copywriting. I think when it comes to high-end products, it's more important because you want more of a commitment from your buyer. Um, Because spending like a couple of dollars, you know, if they don't like it, they've not lost much. But if they're going to be spending hundreds of dollars on like a handmade sweater, then you're really going to have to talk them into it. Mm. But you work mainly with fashion brands. So do you find that in that case, something like sunglasses where they're $20 is not going to be as important as something that's $500? Or do you think with fashion, it sort of works with all of them being just as important? Or do you also see that across fashion as well? I would say everything is important. But yeah, if something's more expensive, I always think a little bit harder about what I'm saying because I feel like you really need to convince people to part with that much money. If it's going to be hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars in the case of Louis Vuitton, you really have to think what's going to make this customer part with that amount of money. Yeah. And so do you think that there's any areas of copy that are more important, like the returns page or the product details or the social media profiles, or maybe the about page? Like where does that sort of process, does it start somewhere or is there a page that's more important? For me, I think the product pages are the most important, um, just because that's the thing that's going to get the person to put something in their basket. And to me, second to that would be the about page, because I think being able to tell your brand story and who you are is a good way to build a rapport with your customer. So if you specialize in selling, for example, organic soap from the south of France, being able to talk about how important the south of France is, about the provenance of the ingredients you use, this is going to make your customer think, I'm making a really wise investment here by buying this bar of soap. And then they're going to think about that when they get their soap. They're going to think about your brand and how amazing it is. It's going to give them a more in-depth feeling about the product and they're more likely to return later on. And so on a Shopify website, generally speaking, I don't know how much you know about Shopify in general. We're talking about copywriting, so I don't expect you to have mm-hmm. a very deep knowledge of the theme because you do work with many different sorts of brands. With Shopify websites, on the homepage, there's usually um, the themes, the way they built them in. They usually have a little blurb that's the about part and then you have an about page. So that little blurb on the homepage, is there anything 
that someone should think about more importantly to put there compared to what goes on their about page or is it the same thing? Do you just copy your about page? What do you recommend? I would say you want it to be more succinct if it's a smaller amount of space. Um, So because time is of the essence and people are just going to scan it, you want to think about what the most important things about your brand are that people should know. Um, So that could be your reasoning behind launching the company. It could be where you're based. Yeah, I think you just really want to give people an overview of what your company is all about. So why you do what you do, what kind of products they can expect to see on your page, why they should come back next week and check to see if you've uploaded anything new. Yeah, that, that's a good one. So giving people an idea that we actually do update our products or put new products up on a regular basis. Yeah. And so do you think being a copywriter, this is a question that a lot of people are sitting there thinking, oh my God, Gemma, you sound like you know what you're talking about, but I can't <laughs> afford you. Do you think that people can write their own descriptions for their website or do you really think it's a job of a copywriter that has to be done? I- I definitely think business owners can write their own descriptions. I think it's like anything, it's a skill that you can learn. Um, It's just sort of understanding the formula that you have to go through. So, for example, you have to think about what your customer needs to know. Um, The easiest way to sort of, I would say the easiest way to begin is just by writing down some bullet points and then trying to connect them and just prioritizing them based on importance. It's also about knowing who your customer is, like who your target audience is. That is really good advice. And that's one thing that I always tell everyone is if you don't know who your customer is, then you cannot provide them with anything. You can't sell them anything because you don't know what they're looking for most of all. Exactly. And you want to know how to talk to them. If you can picture the person in your head, picture their likes, their dislikes, their wants, their needs, then you sort of know how you would describe the product to them and how you would talk to them about it in maybe in an informal setting. Um, I think that's an important thing as well. It's just to imagine that the customer is your friend and you have this amazing product that you want to share with them. And you just have to think about how you would talk about the product to them, why, why they should buy it, why it's amazing. And just think about what they want and what they need. So I'm trying to think of some examples here, but maybe like um, a younger buyer, sorry. No, I was going to say, as an example, you work with um, Louis Vuitton, but you also work with Zalando. And anyone who doesn't know what Zalando is, that's pretty much we were talking about this. That's pretty much the website I go to to buy all of my clothing. And it's got a range of all different brands and all different price points and just a huge selection. And then you've got Zalando, but then you've also got Louis Vuitton. So what would it mean to you to write a description for Louis Vuitton compared to Zalando? You've got to think... With Zalando, you're going to have um, fashion-conscious people um, because it's a very sort of trend-led website. Again, everything on Zalando is stylish. And you've got to think about what kind of... But, you know, what what are their priorities when they're buying clothes from Zalando? So it's going to be... They're going to want it to be something that fits in with the rest of their wardrobe. They're going to want it to be something that maybe makes a statement. They're not necessarily looking for an investment piece, um, although there are some designer pages on Zalando. So with Louis Vuitton, you're talking about like the provenance of the fabrics. You're talking about, you know, this mink fur comes from this farm in France and we've used these patterns that are inspired by vintage design. Um, Whereas with Zalando, you're maybe talking more about sort of styling suggestions. So, you know, this hooded top could be worn with a maxi skirt and trainers for a sort of a modern, glamorous sort of, streetwear kind of look um 
so yeah, you're just, sorry, I think I've lost my thread a little bit here. Well, <laughs> um, so in that case, what would you know the difference between, just to help my audience hmm. understand in that case, what would be a Louis Vuitton client and what would be a Zalando client? Like you say that they like something mm-hmm. that's a little different. So how, how do you go through that process? I guess, can you explain that process to us of how you go from saying, okay, I've got this, let's say you're doing a t-shirt for Louis Vuitton and a t-shirt for Zalando and you've got these two very different audiences. What's the process that you go through to decide what to write? So, Hang on, I'm just trying to think how to put this into words. Um, (laughs) So if you know your customer's priorities and what they're looking for, this is often, you can do this with surveys and things, then you know what to prioritize in the description. So, for example, with Zalando, people might be thinking, for a basic Zalando t-shirt, people might be thinking more about comfort. They might be thinking more about fit. They might be thinking more about the, the fabric whereas with Louis Vuitton they're going to immediately want to know you know the, about the fabric because they're making a, ma- a massive investment in this t-shirt so they're going to want to know that this is like the purest cotton um it's organic that kind of thing um if it's like a t-shirt with a logo on it again you're going to want to sort of talk about the provenance of the logo with Louis Vuitton because those buyers are going to want something that's an investment piece that's going to always sort of evoke spring, summer 2018, whereas as a Lando buyer, just, they probably just want something that's going to look really cool at the weekend. So it's all about sort of like the language you would use um, and just thinking, what are they going to be looking for first? Because quality is going to be like a massive deal to somebody buying from a expensive website. So what you're saying in that case is that um, no matter what you're selling, First and foremost, before you sit down and think about what you're selling, think about who the actual client is. Exactly. I think that's the most important thing. Okay. So that, that's really good advice. And it comes back to, you and I didn't even speak about this in advance, but it's pretty much exactly what I've been screaming from the rooftops for so long. So if yeah. listening, um, go to justaskparker.com slash blog. And there is a, um, one of my blog posts, I've actually got a video training. It's completely free. Jump on and do it. And it's about working out who your customer is and who they are, what they like, where they shop, what they um, look for in clothes, what they look for in buying a new car or whatever it is that you're selling and find that out first. Because I think that's what Gemma's saying that, you know, it's, she's got two completely different brands, for example, Louis Vuitton and um, Tommy Hilfiger or Zalando, but she has to write completely different descriptions. So I guess that no matter what you're selling, Gemma, if you don't know who that customer is, no matter how good a copywriter you are, you're never going to write the right description unless you can write for that actual customer. Exactly. You have to think about who you're talking to. So for example, Tommy Hilfiger are quite a useful sportswear brand. They want to be fun. They want to come across as you know, your mate who you would go to the pub with. They have a little bit of fun with their descriptions, which are very short, but there's always a little bit of, you know, a little bit of fun, playful attitude in there. Whereas with Louis Vuitton, you're thinking more from, you're not their friend, you're, you're an advisor rather than a friend being friendly. Oh, so again, it's that audience. It's like, if you're a high-end person, 
you sort of feel like you know what you want. You don't want to be spoken down to. You want to get advice from somebody who knows what they're talking about. So you're sort of putting yourself in the role of an expert offering advice or a personal assistant saying, you know, I've, I've chosen these ties for you because of this, this and this. And it's just sort of about thinking about your role and how the person might be thinking of you. So with mother care, for example, we always, the character we um, sort of try to channel would be a mum of five who lives next door. Ah, okay. Great one. Yeah. So the, the tone of voice is very friendly, very soft, very non-judgmental. And then with Bowden, for example, you're taking the role of somebody's friend who she's going shopping with, who's trying to talk her friend into buying this new dress because you've got to think about how the buyers, like what's their behavior on their web, your website going to be like, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's really good to let people know. I think that that's, there's some of those websites out there. Some of my clients have got websites where they sell a lot of different products. So they might sell men's shoes, but then they might also sell women's handbags and they might also sell iPhone covers. But I guess that each of those people are a different type of customer. So they need to write differently for each of those types of products. Yeah, exactly. But you also still have to keep your own brand tone of voice. So you can think differently for, so men might, men might not be as interested. I'm going to, this sounds really sexist, but men might not be interested in the same things as women. I think men are more practical. So if they're looking at shoes, they're going to be thinking about comfort as well as style. Whereas I think for women, the priority is style before comfort. Although I think, I think I'm more like a man in that case, but, yeah. um, but it's just sort of thinking about it that way. You're still putting across your own personality you're still thinking about your customer as so for example with Tommy Hilfiger the customer is your friend with Bowdoin the customer is your friend but with companies like Louis Vuitton and maybe TM Lewin the customer would be maybe your boss at work who you're trying to give friendly advice to without getting too personal with them. Mm, Interesting so a lot of people that come to me and listen to this podcast actually do drop shipping. So what they're doing is that they're taking products from another wholesale website and they are just importing that data into their Shopify store. And a lot of them are not changing their descriptions. And I get a little bit, not a little bit, I get really, <laughs> really funny about this. So what is yeah. your advice to those people and why that's a bad thing, like from your perspective and what they should do about changing their descriptions? Well, from my perspective, well, first of all, I'm going to send a card to all nerd here, but I think from an SEO point of view, it's not good because presumably there are other companies doing the same thing, taking the same description. So you're going to get lost among all the noise on the first page of Google. You can get penalized for having duplicate content as well. So your result might not even appear. It might be one of those omitted ones that you often see at the bottom. So I think just to make yourself stand out in the marketplace, it's a good idea to change the copy even if you're not changing it that much, it's just a good idea just to maybe reword it, use a few synonyms just so that you're not getting lost among all the other noise. From another point of view, it's like if you're building your Shopify store and you want to have a brand that people keep coming back to, you want to have your own distinct tone of voice and you want people to identify with you and you want to be their first port of call when it's time for them to buy a new version of the product or to buy something similar. And by rewriting your copy and having your own distinct way of speaking to people, you're going to build familiarity, you're going to build rapport, you're going to have them continually come back. No, that's really good. And your advice on the SEO perspective, I guess that's not one that I usually talk about, but you're right. You do get penalized for it and your website's not going to be shown if it's just just the same content as all the other websites out there doing the same drop shipping. Yeah, so it's kind of a shame because then people can't find your products. If they're typing in, for example, pink iPhone covers, 
and there are 10 other websites selling it with the same copy as you, you've got really no chance. To me, I think it's because of my background in search engine optimization that that's the first thing that I go to. But it's really, it's a brand building thing as well. You really have to have your own tone of voice. And it, yeah, it builds a rapport with your customers. It's how you build loyalty. And also a lot of those descriptions sound terrible. So (laughs) they just don't, they're not written for the end user. They're written for the person who's buying it for the drop shipping point of view. And I think that's the part that people need to understand is that, you know, a lot of the times you're searching through that list going, okay, which products am I going to show on my website? And it's more about the price point and how much money you're going to make from it than the actual, how it's going to look for your consumer at the end. Yeah. And you really need to think about what your consumer wants. Yeah, exactly. So do you want to give everyone some tips just generally when writing their product descriptions? Yeah, I would say, again, just think about who you're speaking to. Think about that in-store experience. So what kind of things are people going to be wanting to know about the product? So when you go shopping yourself, if, for example, it's clothes, you kind of want to know what the fabric feels like. Is it soft? Is it technical? for going running is it maybe just have like some sort of adjective in there just to describe the way that it feels even if you're not 100% sure you can usually sort of tell from looking at it I just think about the main things people need to know Um, what are they buying the product for is the important thing it might sound obvious but if you describe exactly what the product's use is it reduces the chance of them wanting to return it so if you are selling iPhone covers make sure you say what sizes of iPhone they're going to be suitable for explain how easy they are to snap on and snap off just sort of give people a good picture of the product before they put it in their basket really and do you have any thoughts on whether you use bullet point or technical you know sometimes on websites you'll see at the bottom it's um on the descriptions it's got little things like a headline like size dimension things like that is that important do you think i think that's definitely important i'm a big fan of that because Not everybody has enough time to read through a paragraph of text. So what I quite like is maybe two or three sentences just to sort of summarize the product, paint a picture of it in the buyer's mind, but then go on to the bullet points and just summarize the really important details. So like the dimensions, what it's made from, if it's fashion, wash care is quite important because if you buy something that's dry clean only and you don't know it's dry clean only, you're going to be in trouble when it comes time to wash it. And just, yeah, just get all the really key important points down in the bullet points so that if somebody's in a hurry and they're just buying it quickly, they can scan that and say, right, okay, it's this big, it's made from this material, this is how I care for it. And then there's not going to be any disappointment there. I think that's interesting. I think that also when we were speaking privately last week, you were telling me about when you write for Zalando that there's a certain style of writing that you use and that people read through these descriptions a lot. Yes. And I was saying to you, that's funny because I actually have never read a description (laughs) on Zalando and I buy all of my stuff there and I've just never read through anything. I just pretty much look at a product, check the size um, information, but I've never read the description and just check what type of fabric it is and that's it. But what you were explaining, how you write and what they know, because they know that, don't they? They know from people looking on the screen, they know who, how many people are stopping to read and things like that. Yeah, they've got that information. Yeah. But what it also proves is that there's a lot of people that are not reading. So just writing for one style of person is not going to be in your benefit. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, well, one person might love reading the product descriptions. Some other people might just think, nah, that looks good. I'm buying it. I just want to know the size. I want to know the material. That's fine. And yeah, I think it's important to have information there in easily digestible chunks. And again, back to SEO, um, (laughs) you're also thinking about Google. So if you're selling, for example, a pink cotton t-shirt, you want Google to know that that page on your website is a pink cotton t-shirt. So you want to get your keywords in there as well. Yeah, I think that a lot of people don't think about that, do they? They think, well, the pink t-shirt, a pink t-shirt. They, everyone should know that it's a pink t-shirt. Exactly. And do you have any tips for writing the about page? You did mention it before in saying how important it is. Is there any tips? And this is an area that a lot of my clients get stuck on with their about page. Is there any tips with the layout, how much text they should have, what they should start with? Is it important to talk about them? What advice can you give us? I think the best thing to do is to structure it similar to a news article. So think about the most important things you want to say about your brand and then get them all very briefly in the first paragraph and then expand upon them in the next paragraphs. So if you want to talk about the year your company launched and the principle behind it, maybe just try and fit that into two sentences. And then the next paragraph can be all about the year you launched, why you launched, the background behind it, why you decided this company had to, or why you had to start the shop. For example, my friend runs a shop called Far Wild. It's a shop that sells travel gear for women. And so her about page would be about why she felt that that was a niche that needed to be filled. So sort of going to your brand history a little bit. But yeah, just your first paragraph should tell people everything they need to know. Like, I know that sounds really silly saying your like your first few sentences should say everything somebody needs to know. But basically, it should be the, the absolute basics. So if somebody just reads the first few sentences, they have a good idea of who you are, why your brand exists, and what kind of products you're planning to sell. But then the next few paragraphs should go into more depth about, you know, the reasoning behind it and why. And again, this is just about building a rapport with your customer. It's sort of giving them a chance to understand you and who you are and build a relationship, build loyalty, etc. And what about the people who say to me, and I hear this quite a lot, people saying, I don't want to be known as the owner of this website. I don't want to have my name associated with it. I don't want people, for whatever reason, some people are starting a website that has no relevance, like men starting websites selling lingerie. And then they think that's a bit strange. Mm-hmm. Why are they the face of it? So what should they be putting on their about page about themselves? Should they, can they just leave out anything to do with the owner? Personally, I think so. I think that's perfectly fine. I think it's fine to talk about your company in the third person. Okay, fantastic. (laughs) You think still having some information there that's personal, not so much personal about that person, but personal information about the company then in in that case. So it's about building rapport. Yeah, so it doesn't even have to be about the company. It can just be like, you know, we've launched this lingerie brand to make women around the world feel like their sexy, most amazing best. And you don't even have to like talk too much about the year you launched or anything like that. It's just if you feel like that's an important part of your brand story, then put it in there. If you don't feel like it's an important part of your brand story, don't put it in. All you really want to be doing is just talking a little bit about why people should be coming back to your page and why your page is good um, and why your shop is the best shop on on Shopify. Yeah. If that makes sense. Definitely. So what about the returns page? This is a page that um, I've seen some really uh, funny uh, messages mm-hmm. of people just saying, we don't refund, we don't return. And I get okay. like, oh, 
no, I think that you're not being very nice about it. So can you give people some advice on what you think is a nice way to create a returns page, the sort of wording to use? Yeah, I think you want to keep it, you don't want it to be too brusque. If you don't do returns, maybe say, we're really sorry, we can't accept returns. You know, all purchases are final. Please make sure, you know, that you definitely want to buy it. You just kind of want to be really soft and gentle with people. Like, like explain why you don't do returns. I imagine with the drop shipping, it's because you can't really take returns. There's certain products that you can't take returns and there's yeah. certain products that you can but you're right. It's about writing it softly. and Yeah, just use words like unfortunately and sorry. and But you don't need to be too flowery, I wouldn't say. No, and I think another mistake that people make is that they try to avoid even telling people that they don't do returns. So they just sort of don't yeah. put anything there. And I'm like, but that on the other hand is bad because someone purchases. They get a home mm-hmm. and they want to return. And then they find out that deep down on your website, you actually never did returns and you someone should have found that by clicking 37 links to get to that page yeah it's always important to be open and honest about everything yeah definitely so something nice something writing it in a nicer way finding a nicer wording that is using the words like you said unfortunately um, yeah nice way to put it and again just having it there for people to read. As you say, if there's 37 links people have to click through to get to that information, they're going to lose trust in you. So although they didn't like that one product, they might have returned as a customer again, but because they're going to feel like you've been dishonest about your returns policy, it might just leave them with a bad taste in their mouth. So they're going to avoid your shop in the future. Mm. Whereas if it's kind of there and it's in their face before they buy the product, they're going to think, well, you know, I knew that they didn't allow returns or, well, I should have read the returns policy first and they're not going to hold it against you so much. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. And like you're saying, I think that you've said it quite a few times during our conversation is that you keep on saying about trust. And I think that is the most important thing when it comes to getting sales is building that trust with people and using the words to build trust with them and allowing those people to trust you that you are you know going to be able to help them no matter what whether it be sorry we don't do on returns unfortunately but you've been honest about it up front yeah exactly and do you have any final tips for everyone i know that people are going to now run away and they're like okay i better check over all my descriptions and make sure that they're up to gemma standard so (laughs) final tips i think just have fun with it like you know, I think people get really caught up thinking writing's this really difficult thing to do. But again, just pretend you're talking to a friend or, you know, just visualize your ideal customer in your head and imagine taking them for a coffee and just think, what would I say to them in person? And just write down a rough draft to begin with. It doesn't have to be perfect. The grammar can be terrible. You can always go back and change it. But just get the words out of your head onto the page. What's amazing about this product? Why should people buy it? Why they should buy it from you? And just... Yeah, play around with it. Have fun. Fantastic. Great advice. So Gemma, that has been wonderful. And if anyone now is getting to the end of this thinking, I don't want to do this on my own or they want your help in some way, how can people contact you and work with you if they want to or get in touch with you to ask you some advice? I have a website, which is gemmaporter.com. Again, it's kind of like the cobbler's children go without shoes. My website is terrible. But um, you can get in touch with me through there. If you have a bigger account, then Quill Content are always looking for new clients. I think their website's quillcontent.net. 
either way. <laughs> okay, they can get in touch with you from your website and then get in touch and find out. You can direct them in the right direction once you know what they actually need help with. Precisely. And you work with accounts where, like I'm assuming with Zalando and Tommy Hilfiger, it's an ongoing thing because they're always adding products. So you're constantly creating new descriptions for new products for them. Yeah, exactly. It's just, so I work with them through Quill because they're a massive, they're a massive companies. Quill's a massive agency. And yeah, it's just like a constant churn of products over and over again. Oh, fantastic. Well, Gemma, it has been wonderful having you here. I'm so glad that you can help people out and give us that advice because I know that for everyone listening, everyone can do better with their descriptions in some way or another. So they can all go and take a look now and see what they can do to better their descriptions or their about page. So thank you so much for being here. Okay, thank you for having me. Wonderful. Thanks everyone for listening. And until next time, keep smiling. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Winning with Shopify podcast. Join the Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash winning with Shopify and get our show notes at justaskparker.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And as a listener, get 20% off at justaskparker.com by using the code podcast.